and welcome. You are listening to Desperate Acts of Capitalism, a podcast about money, marketing, and how it all goes wrong. Join us in a wonderland of burning money. I'm Evan Swope. I'm Arman Maharaj. And I am C.T. Kelly. And today, dear listeners, I want you to kick back. I want you to loosen that tie, maybe get yourself some lunch, sit back at the big old table, the big round table with all your business buds, because this is going to be a more relaxed fit episode. Ah, I, um, yeah. American cut. Ah, beautiful. It's less fashionable, but more comfortable. In the trash bag core. Mm-hmm. So, um, have I told y'all? I, I know I've told you, Armand, what I'm doing for this episode. I don't know if I've told Evan yet. I begged you to tell me what you're doing. You refused. Yeah, you begged and screamed and threw animals at my window to tell me. I mean, the part you're not telling is the part where... They tied CT's arms to the chair and hit them with cattle prods. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> that did happen. That was step you know, two. This is one of his eccentricities. <laughs> it was kind of cool, though. It was kind of <laughs> well, cool. He was doing like backflips and acrobatic stunts, you know, <laughs> Unre- unrelated to the <laughs> to the current situation. He was, like, play- <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, okay. So for those for those that don't know, like our dear listeners at home. I recently watched a video from a YouTuber named Slow Start. The video was called How to Completely Annihilate Your Brand Image, and it focused almost entirely on the sordid marketing history of a particular brand of gum. Uh-huh. It was a wonderful video, but it lacked one thing, I felt. A compare and contrast. Mm-hmm. Because what I'm always curious about when I'm writing these podcast episodes is like, okay, We'll spend a lot of time reading about a, a company or a product or a single guy. And what I'm always curious about is what are their competitors doing at the same time? Mm. But I also realize that's a pretty tough thing to research because that's effectively doing two, three, four episodes at once. So I, I realized I needed to pick a product that was easily consumable, something I could watch a large amount of advertising resources and information about in a very short amount of time and then get a very broad slice of an entire era of marketing history. Mm -hmm. And I thought gum would be an interesting choice here because I mentioned mentioned this idea to uh, my roommate, who's a business major, and he he made an an interesting point. Uh, Do you know what the hardest thing to advertise for is? No. Gum? <laughs> I don't know. No. Gum. What he said was perfume. Oh, yeah. And yet it's everywhere. All the rock stars. It's like the number one thing in airports. Right. Mm. Um, all, the, all the rock stars of the advertising world, they work for perfume companies. Because how the hell do you advertise for perfume? How do you visually represent what something smells like? <laughs> That's impossible. Right. That's really you, you, hard. You take the yeah. ratatouille approach and have the, like... That. The old Macintosh screensavers behind their heads as they're eating berries and cheese and stuff. Right. Oh, you know right. We did a good job. <laughs> yeah, they did a pretty good job. Someone should give them a job at making perfume. Let's, let's, let's call up Patton Oswalt and ask him his feelings on this. <laughs> so, perfume. Difficult thing to advertise for because you almost inevitably have to get weird and abstract about it. And mm-hmm. gum is kind of the same way. Yeah. But how would I go about such a thing, my friends? Would I sit down, 
collate every single gum commercial that's aired on American television in the last 20 years and then watch every single one of them just to make a podcast episode in dialogue with a single YouTube video? Only a sicko would do that. Would I actually go through all the effort to make a half-serious cultural history of gum advertisement? Yes. Yes, I would. (laughs) Of course I would. And you, dear listener, are paying us for it. Ha! So let's start out by acknowledging our sources. I want to give a big, big, huge shout out to Slow Start for inspiring this video, and an even bigger shout out to our research assistant, Cross. Do not like. Without their. Do not subscribe. Do not. Do not share. (laughs) Without their research skills, this episode simply would not have been possible. Cross actually did the work of tracking down every single one of these gum commercials and loading them all into a spreadsheet for us to watch together. Um. Uh, He also sat down and watched every single damn one of these things with me, which was mind-numbing, and I would not recommend it to anyone. If at any point during this episode you think, oh, this sounds pretty interesting, maybe I should, like, sit down and watch all these gum commercials like CT did. Don't do it. It's boring. It's not a good idea. (laughs) I'm already going to have a prediction of how it's going to be. Oh, okay. Okay. uh, Just based on my era of the five gum commercials, which, of course, for anyone who is not in the United States or wherever they're sold is a past era. Like they're not seen that much, if at all anymore. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to feel like a Berghain version of Tron without a plot because everything is like, what if every five gun, every five gum commercial that I've ever seen is like, what if laying on a waterbed was goth? You know, it's like, <laughs> it's, it's at the same time trying to, capture something that's sensual and dark in a very like strange mundane and edgy way at the same time I would, you know what you know how i would describe it armon it's trying to describe something sensual and dark in an explicitly post 9-11 way <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so but so good prediction i think i think you will be surprised where this goes okay Evan, do you know anything about this this topic? About gum? I mean, about like five gum, like the the, the five gum commercials. No, I definitely remember seeing them, and I think they were, they made me want to try five gum. I always... Because for (laughs) for anyone who did not grow up with them, if if such people exist, um, uh, it was a joke. (laughs) It's even possible. I think it should should be, it should be said, five gum commercials were like a joke when we were growing up, right? I mean, that's fair to say. Yeah. Like, they were over the top and strange and weird, and yet they managed to almost post-ironically, if not fully post-ironically, double back on themselves in effectiveness. <laughs> you will see. So, okay, okay. Let's, let's talk about gum for a second. We begin in 2007 with the launch of the Five Gum brand, and it was crazy. Five stands for the five senses, and one for each calorie per stick. <laughs> Clever. <laughs> now, one of the interesting things that um, was brought up in the Slow Start video is it was actually an innovation in packaging design. Like, you know you know the, the Juicy Fruit gum, where it's kind of, like, squashed in, like, a bunch of mattresses that are piled on top of each other, and you have to, like, try and pull them apart a lot? Yeah. Yeah. Well... There was there's a whole like study that was done on the the five gum packaging that I can't really go over here, but one of the most interesting things about their initial marketing was um, like it's funny that we brought up the uh, post nine eleven world earlier because 
That was the rise of an entirely new marketing demographic for ad types. It was what we call, what is called the 14 to 25 year old male status seekers. Okay. You guys remember being a 14 to 25 um, year old male status seeker? I've seen enough YouTube <laughs> essays on this type of person <laughs> to know what you're talking about. I was one until recently. <laughs> and then I turned 26 and I yeah. no longer cared about status. <laughs> Whatever the opposite I'm, I'm of status I'm a statusless is. freak. So this is basically the people that Axe Body Spray is marketed towards. Yeah. Oh, it's like dudes that want to be cool, you know, but yeah. in, in a very specific young non-bachelory way where it's like you want to you want to be the coolest dude in senior year of high school. Right. Your friend that drank monster energy drinks when he was 12. Right. Right. Exactly. Well, also, I think it should be said, like, I mean, th there's actually a really good video essay on this by... Um, all jokes aside, by Where in Hell, if you know that YouTuber, where mm -hmm. there was this moment when shopping used to be an all-women thing, and then it became something that men could do and enjoy. And mm -hmm. so they're starting to market to them as like people who can enjoy shopping and using commodities to express their sexuality with mixed mm -hmm. results, you know, after that initial post-9-11 period. Right, right. The The idea of like men's branded products was kind of a new turn like it, the yeah. marketing world didn't really pick it up until the early 2000s yeah i mean it moved with the gen the changing gender roles of the, the country right mm -hmm. so okay it's 2007 you're sitting down to watch yourself some tv and you are the world's biggest gum fan <laughs> So we're going to begin with Wrigley's, is the giant of the gum world, and it has some choices for you. So think of the gum... I don't think I want my gum company to be called Wrigley. That's the last thing... <laughs> Wrigley's. That's the last thing I want my gum to be. Like We're going to talk about Wrigley's. I want it static <laughs> and slightly chewy. <laughs> I want my gum static and motionless. Motionless. No life, please. Nothing... Aping life in the slightest. <laughs> Not a single neurotransmitter, thank you. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Please. Stop making my gum alive. <laughs> Think of the gum market space like a great island nation. You know, it's like Japan or England. Trinidad. Trinidad. And Tobago. Not Tobago. Not Tobago. We hate Tobago. Every, all my homies hate Tobago. Fuck Tobago. <laughs> Fuck Tobago. <laughs> This is a public service announcement. Armand is from Trinidad. Uh, yeah, indirectly, yes. Okay. Real estate is limited, so power goes to whoever controls the most market share. Like, think of land like market share. Markets tend to organize themselves across similar lines. The biggest power block gets about half the island, number two gets about half of what's left of that, and number three, half of that, and so on and so on and so on. Yeah. On Gum Island, these little landholding fiefdoms are the likes of Ferrera Confections, Concord Confections, and surprisingly, Hershey's, who's a minor player in the gum space. Uh. Yeah, these little guys are mostly chocolate companies. Their presence on Gum Island is largely out of obligation. Hershey's Double Stripe Gum is the bastard daughter of the great Hershey line, who married into gum nobility for diplomatic reasons. Castle Double Stripe is the, not the most impressive little holding. These candy fiefdoms are unremarkable from an advertising perspective. They largely cater to children, with standard marketing techniques for catering to children. But we're here to discuss the true royalty of Gum Island. 
So we're not we're gonna go from bottom up, right? Our number three slot is the Perfetti Van de Mille Company. The runt of our litter, Dutch-Italian confectionery Perfetti Van de Mille, best known for manufacturing Mentos and several C-rank candies like Spanish-squired Chupa Chups and Airheads. <laughs> the true gum aficionado looks down upon them with rank indignation. They are an up-jumped breath mint company, leashes only to thin tracks of gum island in the Trident and Dentine brands. So what was their advertisement like? Well, their first commercial era. We can't play the actual advertisements for you because this is an audio medium, but dear listener, I had a lot of fun painting you some word pictures. Apple's Love features a slinky, sexy R&B track, a bed in a white room, decked with silvery white silk sheets. Figures writhe beneath them. A smooth, husky voice introduces you to our product, and two apples emerge from beneath the covers, one green, one yellow. The implication being that this flavor of gum is the result of passionate no. apple coitus, potentially hinting that the apple coitus Unholy will continue in your mouth for your benefit. Uh. Even for 2007, this commercial was odd and dated. It's somehow even worse than the sexuality in cigarette ads. I don't know how. It, at least, no, seriously, at least the sexuality in a lot of cigarette ads was kind of like withheld a little bit. Yeah. But for the first half of this episode, <laughs> there's going to be a huge theme of like sexy R&B music because this was the height of like commercial R&B. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of these early gum ads are like really and sexual. And let's be honest, like commercial sex. L like we don't see a lot of super sexual ads anymore. Like it's not nearly as much as when I was a kid. Don't you agree? Maybe. I, I'm also just. Uh, but yeah, I don't watch as many commercials. But it's been so oversaturated. Like we've seen, all, we've seen a lot of like we've seen a poll came out recently that was in the news, uh, showing that you know uh, Gen Zers want less sex in their media and their their TV. And I don't think it's necessarily because we're more conservative. It's just that like, there's been a, a ceiling. There's like a sex ceiling, right? You know? It's too much. We can only see so many titties. Yeah. At a certain point you're gooned out. Like there's no, not, you can't do more. <laughs> and so, and so we, we've got our, our, our white room, apple sex gum. That's, that's yeah. our, our starting point. This leads into their first real campaign. The quote, little piece of happy campaign. Each of these commercials is short and, a frankly delightful little skit. You've got stuff like a mountain goat presents a bouquet to his lover who then eats the flowers. A cat gets tangled up in a ball of yarn only to accidentally knit the yarn into a sweater. Wait, wait who, the goat or the lover eats the flowers? I didn't catch. Uh, the, the goat, okay. a mountain goat presents a bouquet to oh. his lover who is also a mountain goat. Who's who also, oh, Okay, I wasn't following who is who here. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. The no. goat's human lover. Yeah. Anything is possible in a five gum ad. Honestly. His his R and B goat lover. Um, <laughs> We're going from sex to bestiality. So, and then there's like another that. one where like <laughs> a, a cat gets tangled up in a ball of yarn, only to accidentally knit the yarn into a sweater. And there's a a genuinely little fun one where a father rides the little rocket ship outside of a supermarket that they used to have back in the 90s. And then it like blasts off like a real rocket and the sun cheers, go dad! <laughs> what does that have to do with gum though? It's just like, it's, a, it's like a little piece of happy brought to you by whatever gum company uh, I'm talking about here. 
And most of these are animated. So they're like, it's just like a 15 second cute snappy little thing that you remember. Okay. Animated yeah. in, uh, I have to ask, 3D or or what? They're actually Claymation. like pretty cute little like CG stop motion where it like okay. looks good. All right. Like, they, they are, they're genuinely charming little ads. Like from the, pers- okay. if I was an ad guy, these are effective, charming little ads. Yeah, there's a genuine honesty to these ads that I appreciate. Even the animated ones have a crisp yet low-budget affect that comes across well. Compared to some of the other commercials on this list, I appreciate the formula of, here's a cute little joke, please buy our gum. Right. Perfetti van de Mille plays things very safe. They are the gum for normal people. Gum for people who maybe just want a little treat when they're in line at the grocery store. There's little extra in their commercial. This brings us into our next, uh, our next gum fiefdom, Cadbury with Stride. Okay, a British company. Mm-hmm. Well, you'll see. Primarily a chocolate and confections company, the Cadbury Corporation is second to market. This is the alternative gum company. Alternative in the sense that they are currently owned by Mondelez International, also known as Kraft Foods. Oh, gross. Aww. And here's something interesting. Did you know that Cadbury chocolates are actually produced and distributed by Hershey's in the United States? Oh. Hershey's actually has the rights to manufacture and distribute most of their products, except except for gum and mints. Okay. It's the only things that they have over here. <laughs> interesting. In, in 2007, they have money to spare for gum advertising. Their first campaign is what I can only describe as bizarrely high concept. It is styled in the form of a local personal injury lawyer commercial. Okay. I don't know if you have, like, I don't think people have these outside of the U.S. I'm pretty sure it's only American. Yeah, yeah. But so that just makes this harder to translate. I mean, I'm not going to. In terms of advertisements for them, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, even for American viewers, this is, these are weird commercials. (laughs) A graying man in a loud tie announces that, quote, man beasts have infiltrated our community to get us to spit out our stride gum. There's a cutaway (laughs) to a balding, bearish, sling it regaliaed man, nipples born to the air, who suplexes an old woman to the concrete. Okay. That's it. What? <laughs> Buy gum. Buy gum, I guess. <laughs> That's like I remember watching this with Cross, and we were like, it ended, and we were like. Wait, that's it? What do you mean that was it? <laughs> Such an early two thousands like commercial. Like there, there's so many like that. They were just like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's like, what is this advertising? Like, yeah. the mention of Stride Gum is so fast that you literally forget what the commercial is for. And you're like, what am I being shown here? Yeah, there's so many commercials that are like, you know, the ad guys are going to be like, well, it, it doesn't matter if it relates to the product. As long as they remember it, remember the brand, that's what all that's all that matters. But then it's like, there's so many of these commercials that is like, I don't even remember what brand this was for. It was just a weird advertisement. <laughs> like the brand exactly. is immediately like taken out of my memory. The commercial is humorous, but extremely high concept. The idea of a local personal injury lawyer making commercials to sue Stride for making gum that lasts too long is shall we say, a bit convoluted. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to follow the thread. <laughs> Even when writing this episode, I had to re-watch these commercials several times just to make sure I remembered them correctly. <laughs> oh my god. So, as far as I can tell, yes, the plot of this commercial campaign is that the Stride Corporation has made gum that is so long-lasting 
that people refused to spit out their gum for a new stick, thus cutting into Stride's profits in selling more gum. To the point where they will hire silly mercenaries like, quote, man beasts and wild rams and evil yodelers to force people to spit out their gum through violence. I mean, I guess. Within the fiction of this commercial campaign, these mercenaries have harmed so many people who have gone without legal recourse that a local personal injury lawyer is putting out a TV campaign to represent those harmed by the Stride Corporation. <laughs> uh, better call Saul before it's time. Yeah, the OG. The OG. The, the tragedy and failure of this campaign is, in my mind, that they honestly just aren't funny. The concept is convoluted. The punchlines of man beasts and evil yodelers read more as like office in-jokes or like an ad agency attempting to breach into a nascent internet humor audience. They don't work. It doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to have seen the previous ones to know, like, <laughs> follow the this weird lore. Yeah, you have to tune in it's and like keep funny you that. say that, Evan, oh, because no. <laughs> turns out the lore of these commercials is actually essential for their next campaign called They're the, the and I shit you not, the or we will find you campaign. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck? Okay. I love the name. I'm loving the name from the beginning. Right? It's a great name for something. Maybe not a gum like advertising campaign. You see what I mean about like to advertise gum, you almost have to get esoteric with it. Yeah. It feels like like uh like an indie unity horror game title or something. Right. Oh, we will be getting to that, my friend. <laughs> getting to what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Specifically what? Okay. A man exits an office park wrapped in a cell phone conversation with an automated operator. Agent, he says, but the robot voice on the other end of the line will not recognize his speech. As he crosses the street, he talks. A car lays onto its horn as it nearly collides with him. Agent, he says, louder this time, clearly growing frustrated, and then BAM! A live ram headbutts him in the solar plexus. He crumples to the ground, confused, a trembling arm attempts to steady him. He begins to rise. Bam! The ram hits him again. Splash screen. Spit out your stride gum and chew another piece already, or we will find you. A stride van squeals up to the curb. Men in dark suits sprint alongside it. One reaches down and retrieves the dislodged piece of gum. Got it, he says into an earpiece. The van, tires already peeling, flings open its doors to the agents to jump inside. Leave the ram, one agent says. The van is gone. A public safety message from Stride. The ridiculously long-lasting gum. <laughs> okay. It feels like... I don't know, someone who watched that movie, like, stay with Ryan Gosling, it feels like a bunch of people who were in that memento era of movies and yeah, just yeah. want to maximally make things as complicated as possible with the belief it'll have a staying effect. It reminds me of those, like, Capri Sun commercials, like, Respect, Respect the Pouch and kids yeah, who yeah. didn't... Yeah. Res whatever this means, respect the pouch. Like, the Capri Sun pouch would meet horrible fates. Like, they'd be turned to stone or something. Right. Like, <laughs> those really upset me <laughs> like, when I was a kid. Right. It was like the wrath of God was being visited upon them. <laughs> for what? It's like, for disrespecting the Capri Sun. An inanimate object. <laughs> so, I will say for this commercial, it's kind of masterful. 
My reciting it here has likely sparked the memory of some viewers. This commercial felt like the culmination of the previous ad run. The concept of the personal injury lawyer has been completely removed from the equation, and the focus has been placed solely back on the project. On the product, sorry. Additionally, the timing of this commercial just really sticks. The editing is almost perfect. Like, each comedy hit lands exactly when it needs to. It's, it's very punchy, and e so my describing it here probably will not sound like it works, but this does work. I can, I can say that. A woman exits a library. She is chewing gum. Cut to a stride surveillance van. They watch her. Cut back to the girl. Suddenly, a ram. The girl drops her things and assumes a wrestler's stance. She grips the ram by the horns and begins to twist. She's chewing stride spark! Abort! The agents begin to peel away. The girl twists the ram around, suplexing it into the concrete. Splash screen for the product. And it's the, the same, like, spit out your stride gum or we'll find you. Like, Now, do you think it, the people in these commercials know that they're go coming for their gum? Or are they just unwitting and thrown into the moment blissfully it's, unaware? Yeah, are they prepared for this situation? Are they, like, fighting to defend their gum or they don't know why they're being attacked? Right. I... <laughs> I okay within the fiction of the commercials i think the stride agents are like a known but rare phenomena okay. it's like getting arrested or something where it's like everyone kind of knows somebody that's gotten attacked by the stride agents but no one's like prepared for it like nobody carries around pepper spray for the yeah, stride they're like agents the, the new like postmodern pinkertons of uh, this yeah yeah world <laughs> yeah I, so this ad run was in my opinion, quite effective. Like, there, this is kind of a beloved commercial okay. for a lot of people. So there's a little gap after these commercials where there's, like, they did, like, a one-off, and I'm just going to explain this to you. <clears throat> an elderly woman receives an urn from a mortuary home. She drives home as a warm guitar track plays. She goes to the shelf in her home where pictures of her late husband are held. But as she places the urn on the shelf, the shelf breaks, sending the ashes cascading down to the floor. From among the pile of the mortal remains, she sees it, a partially chewed stick of gum. She places it in her mouth, and a warm smile spreads across her wrinkled face, the implication being that stride gum is so long-lasting that it survived the cremation oven. <laughs> okay, that's kind of good. You gotta admit, that's pretty I good. Was, when I watched that with Cross, we were we were howling like Gibbons. We, we were shocked that someone even put this on TV. Like it was so funny. It's <laughs> kind of brilliant. I, I, that's a brilliant on a lot of levels. Like it's that's a, really good. It's like it's rare that I see a commercial that I know is. A, it's like this is obviously trying to sell me something, but that was genuinely very funny. <laughs> yeah, because there's like the logic of a touching moment in there, but it's so ridiculous. It's, <laughs> yeah. It hits and even played, harder. It's played completely straight. Which is like, perfect. Which is how I imagine no, my head, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's no goofy punchline or, like, like there, there isn't even a silly splash screen. It's just, like, it comes up in very normal letters, like, Stride, the ridiculously long-lasting gum. <laughs> are these live action or are they still animated? These are all live action. Every single one of these is live action. Okay, yeah, nice. So, okay, this brings us to the main event. It's time to meet our main character. Meet House Wrigley, greatest and noblest family of Gum Island, currently known as the Mars Wrigley Confectionery Corporation. 
They are the largest gum manufacturer in the world. Founded in 1891, Wrigley's gum used to be made entirely of chicle, a gummy sap found in several forms of Mesoamerican trees. The Wrigley Corporation got most of their chicle from Guatemala. In 1952, Wrigley's changed their formula due to Order 900, which Wikipedia humorously refers to as, quote, land reforms attempting to yeah. end feudal working conditions for farmers in Guatemala, <laughs> yeah. and not, quote, democratically elected socialist president of a post-revolutionary Guatemala, uh, Jacobo Ar Arbaez, redistributed stolen land to nearly half a million largely indigenous and mestizo Guatemalans, an action, that would lead, lasted, yeah. <laughs> an action that would lead to a coup d'etat on part of the CIA and the United Fruit Company, decades of brutal civil war, and at least one genocide of Guatemala's indigenous Maya population. But yeah, it affected Wrigley's ability to sell gum. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they changed their formula, folks. Yeah, oh, what a mild inconvenience. Yeah, yeah, they, they participated in a banana republic. <laughs> now our Fuck gum you, formula. Yeah, I didn't know there were gum republics as well, but, you know. Yeah. Chicol republics. Chico, gum Chico, resin. Yeah. So Juicy Fruit. <clears throat> a young man brings flowers to the door of his would-be lover. She flies through acceptance, contentment, displeasure, and breakup in the span of a few seconds. The point being that Juicy Fruit gum will last longer than this young man's ill-fated relationship. To be perfectly honest, this commercial does nothing for me. It is the low-hanging fruit of advertising. It was very boring. <laughs> our, our next in this ad run is a sponsored commercial with NASCAR driver Juan Pablo Montoya. His acting is absolutely wooden. <laughs> the set for the commercial. NASCAR driver. You I don't think I've a seen a single, a single commercial except for ones with the shack where the athlete talent is actually invested in what's happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So his acting is absolutely wooden. And the set for the commercial is completely yellow and emblazoned with Juicy Fruit logos everywhere. It looks very expensive for a gum commercial. <laughs> and the plot of the ad is meandering. Juan Pablo rambles to the camera about how nobody can tell him what to do. There's a humorous contrast between his words and the garish labeling of his home. There is a Juicy Fruit piano, a Juicy Fruit suit of armor. The what wallpaper happened is... to the Juicy Fruit piano? Where can we find it? What does it sound like? Does <laughs> right? it sound like That's well, what I want to know. It's like, where is, are the props? Is it thuddy and gummy when you play it, or is it like a normal piano? <laughs> yeah, it, it, was a, it was a branded piano. It wasn't made of gum. Okay. Oh, I was hoping. <laughs> uh, there's a Juicy Fruit suit of armor. The wallpaper is Juicy Fruit colored. He wears a Juicy Fruit jumpsuit and eats a slice of Juicy Fruit cake. Oh a zebra oh, no. is painted yellow no, and itself emblazoned blazoned with juicy fruit colors oh god oh man oh god oh man oh man oh god i don't want to think about it. gum cake that's just so foul <laughs> isn't that gross <sighs> the commercial is memorable more for its discord than its harmony the wooden acting the relative irrelevance of the star the frankly odd concept they stick in the memory, but in a kind of stale and an unfortunate way. <laughs> I think it's, there's something, of, I, you have to admit, there's something funny about putting in wooden, uninterested talent into an objectively goofy scenario. <laughs> like, like <laughs> yeah. totally not playing to how strange the environment is and just like walking through the lines until he gets his paycheck. <laughs> right it's like that is that is kind of it funny. is kind of funny to have like a celebrity endorsement where they're like wandering through a completely unacknowledged <laughs> willy wonka <-scape>. yeah, exactly 
<laughs> so here's where things are go- about to get weird, my friends. Juicy Fruit commissioned original songs from several popular musicians for this ad run. Oh, no. America's Got Talent judge and country one-hitter Julianne Hughes is the first one on our list here. The woman is white, thin, blonde, a good singer and dancer. The song itself is a twangy little country sting that failed to sit in my mind. She plays hacky sack with a stick of gum, extolling its virtues. The commercial is overwhelmingly safe and unadventurous. Exactly the sort of ad that an ad agency would churn out when asked. Its edges are smooth and polished, and it goes down without noticing. There's a white woman singing about gum. That's it. (laughs) Next, we have Double Mint, also owned by Wrigley, the luxury brand. This is for the discerning gum chewer. So, okay. The lead single on Chris Brown's hit sophomore album exclusive was a song called Forever. The song hit number one in Ireland, cracked top 10 in America, Canada, the UK, and Australia, and it cracked top 40 in numerous other countries. It would later feature an official remix by contemporary hip-hop stars Lil Wayne and Lupe Fiasco. It features highly in doublements, only commercial for the era. In fact, I learned for my research for this episode, turns out the song was actually an original commission for this double mint ad. And the song was so popular, it was later retooled into the lead single on Chris Brown's second studio album. Okay. That's gonna work. Chris Brown, he's got all the hits. I will say, I remember the song. I can hum it. I'm not going to, but I can. That's how good this song was. That was commissioned for a gum commercial. Like, even even Chris Brown's producers were like, this shit slaps. We need to put this on the album. And now for the main event. A vast, unreal space. A man walks barefoot and goose-fleshed through what appears to be a great concrete pool of steel ball bearings. Cut to the control room. An anonymous official, hand, turns some dials. Cut back to the space. The machines hum to life, but they do not move. There is a sense like an orchestra tuning up. The man observes a steel ball. Its surface is reflective, and he ponders his own warped image in its surface. The official turns a large dial, and the sound grows louder. The man, shirtless, reclines in a pool of steel balls. His hands and feet dig into the mass as he splays. There is a sound like flowing sand. An official nods to another official. A large knob is turned. (laughs) A large knob. Mm. Mm. The dais thrums into rhythmic motion, and the floor of the bowl reveals itself to be a colossal subwoofer. Thump. 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 The man is bounced in rhythmic time. (laughs) Come on. The man is bounced in rhythmic time. The ball bearings form a cushion of rolling motion, gentle as a waterbed. A look spreads across his face. See, the waterbed, the waterbed. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Implying that this... That's a callback! That's a callback! Guys, remember remember earlier in the episode? Guys! (laughs) A look spreads across his face, implying that the sensation he feels is beyond words. (laughs) (laughs) This is the spearmint tingle of five gum. See, guys, this is what happens when you kill God. You have to make things like this to have a divine experience. This is too much. Well, we gotta go put you in the god machine, son. (laughs) I don't want to go back. 
<laughs> Too late. Please, father. You'll like it. A man sits in a silvery machine. He is buckled to the seat as gyroscopic rings dance around him. He is dropped from a great height. Wind whistles. The ring slips into a clear chute with immense speed. The man is caromed through a tunnel with into a great bowl, the sides of which are lined with powerful pneumatic cooling fans. The orb does not collide with the sides of the bowl, but is held aloft, levitating on the knife's edge of centrifugal motion and a cushion of freezing air. Close up on the man's arm, his hair stands on end, tipped with frost. This is the Wintermint Tingle of Five Gum. <laughs> I think I remember that one. A woman approaches the dais from the first commercial. Yet, it has been retrofitted for a new purpose. Instead of titanic subwoofers, now the dais is rigged with what appears to be thousands of chrome-finished, corded hairdryers, all aimed directly upwards. The woman's features are striking, almost skeletal. Cut to her suspended above the dais by a harness. She pulls the cord and drops. No parachute is visible. She reaches terminal velocity with bare feet to spare, held aloft on a cushion of warm air. The gum is cinnamon flavored. <laughs> These ads were incredible. I remember seeing them on TV as a child and thinking, what in the goddamn is that? Yeah, me too. Uh, these, <laughs> the, these are the only ones that I'm remembering right now, especially the guy in the ball bearings, because there's nothing like that. You have to admit, there was nothing, no ads were like that before. How do you even oh, storyboard yeah. that? Like, <laughs> what are these concepts? Literally. Uh, props to the ad agency here. These ads are ridiculous, shockingly high concept, and completely over the top to the point of comedy and looping back around. And because of that, they are devastatingly effective. The sensual surreality and stark visual design are an absolutely insane choice for a gum brand, but it works. Bravo. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I mean, it was incredibly effective, right? I mean, that yeah. that line of post-ironic intensity is, <laughs> you know, the, the the guiding thread of a lot of effective um, publicity stunts. This nowadays. was this was kind of the spearhead of that, which yeah. is really it's like it was from everything I can tell. I think I think it was sincere. Like I think this era was still sincere. This was one of the first marketing campaigns I remember that actually kind of hit that post-ironic pay dirt of people just being like, what the hell is this? It's cool, though. I'll buy the gum, whatever. So, okay. I want to take y'all back for a moment. Put yourself back in the mind of that tweenager, just watching commercials for gum in 2007. Compare the five gum ads to all the other stuff we just talked about. It's not even a contest. Like, sure, the Stride commercials were kind of funny, but how do you even compete with that? So Yeah, I mean, it, it's paradigm creating, right? To, 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 truly. I mean, maybe that's a strong rhetoric, but there really were not, there really were not commercials like that at all, like I said. And, and the thing, if we've learned anything in doing this podcast, it's that once a company has some paradigm creating success at marketing or product design, they keep on it and they're completely fine with it and they never screw it up, right? <laughs> right. They never, yeah. They definitely don't run it into the ground. Companies are awesome. <laughs> Desperate acts of capital. Evan Swope, 2024. <laughs> <laughs> it's our new tagline. It's like, like the guy, There, I mean, it, the formula throughout every one of these episodes has been like the guy who invented the submarine and being like, 
oh wow, this ship goes down. That's something that's cool. That's new. Let's just keep doing that. Let's yeah. keep going down, and nothing bad will happen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so okay, it's the early 2010s. Gum sales are declining. Gum wasn't necessarily the hip social confectionery it used to be. Breath mints were slowly edging in on their market share. A changing market space is not a death sentence, not by any means. But gum seemed to be suffering from success. A century of relatively stable, unchanging markets had made them grow over, overly reliant on the status quo. Altoids were never a big contender for gum. But Tic Tacs, Tic Tacs were interesting. Well, they that's like what my pl- granddaughter uses, the Tic Tac. Yeah. Really, Armand? Really? <laughs> <laughs> I've got a secret family in Iowa. <laughs> But Tic Tacs were interesting, and they came in a fun little package. The thorns of novelty were stuck in their side, and gum was starting to struggle. (laughs) Sounds like you're you're describing a a shrike on the hunt. Or a a Spanish bullfight. Uh, 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 Yeah, same thing. (laughs) Yeah. Our younger listeners need to understand that from the 60s to the 90s, Gum was kind of rebellious. It was associated with the likes of grease greasers and skateboarder punks. There was an edge to it. But by 2015, that had long since begun to fade. Around this time, the gum market saw roughly a 2% shrinkage. 2% fewer Americans were buying gum than the year before. Naturally, the gum industry panicked. Previously safe market niches went through a series of explosive rebrands. Several attempted to tap into early mass internet meme culture. The results are strange, wonderful, bizarre, and we're going to talk about them. Nice. The the header of this section in my notes is called Juicy Fruit, the Unicorn Era. Okay. The first commercial our researchers were able to find from 2015 was called Juicy Fruit, Unicorn Serenade's Sarah Silverman. <laughs> the production value on this thing is through the fucking roof. The commercials feature some genuinely impressive practical effects. A unicorn marionette plays a fairly well-produced smooth rock ballad over scenes of him falling in love with actress and comedian Sarah Silverman. Now, is this a marionette... Like a real marionette or a CGI marionette? This is a real-ass marionette. And is it, like, horse-sized or is it small and held up next to the camera? It's, like, cartoon <laughs> horse. It's, like, Muppet-sized. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> it was, like, a, a full horse. Like, that's, like, <laughs> mechanical. piano. That's, like, mechanical Turk levels of uncanny. <laughs> it's clockwork. Yeah. <laughs> so... As of writing this, I just rewatched the commercial. It is nearly two minutes long. I can't remember anything else about it. I think it's like a... Okay, I know commercials were longer back then, but there were not two-minute commercials. This was shockingly... All of these commercials in this run were shockingly long. Wow. I think it's like a breakup mixtape get-back-together type thing. People really watched this. Like, they sat down and watched, like, what, five, ten minutes of commercials? This this happened? Insane. This was fairly unremarkable. However, Cross was able to find an internal EVB ad reel for the company that produced the Juicy Fruit commercial. So, okay, I want to do a little. Uh, I want to do a little experiment with y'all. I'm gonna. I'm gonna test out a new bit that we want. I want to do on this podcast. I'm calling it for the moment internal copy stop, because 
I am just going to read you verbatim this internal advertising copy because it is so funny. <laughs> now, when you're talking about internal copy, you're talking about people talking about the ads in the company? This is... This is... um. This is basically a PowerPoint that people at Juicy, right. that like ad guys at Juicy Fruit would show to other ad guys at Juicy Fruit. Okay, gotcha. It's <laughs> <laughs> crazy that, that, that that's public, by the way, but yeah. Right? In 2010, Juicy Fruit spent their entire ad budget online, and the decision paid off. We sweeten the world's day with three indescribably sweet ballads by <laughs> Serenading Unicorn. Suddenly, a relatively stagnant 100-year-old brand had a new fan base of 300,000, all thanks to a singing puppet. One thing was clear. Fans loved Serenading Unicorn, and they wanted more. And then they, they flash some, like, Facebook comments on screen. It's a Karen Collins, in all caps. Please, please, please make more videos! Dot, 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 dot. I love these! Heart, 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 heart. Karen Christina Kesl Keslonsky. LOL! I love him! They're all named Karen. <laughs> Tessa Lorenzo Martinez. Serenading Unicorn is the best. You really need to add more songs and videos! Exclamation point. Paula Reed. This is a huge hit in all caps. <laughs> Everyone I have sent this to loves it. Several exclamation points. Please add more songs and videos. Oh, Sounds like they're pawning off their children to see <laughs> so more. How can, <laughs> so how can we repeat this success without repeating ourselves? SFX, the opening bars of Gangsta's Paradise. <laughs> God. <laughs> like, I shit you not. It's like, how can we repeat the success? And then it's like, you hear Coolio. <laughs> we started to engage the fans by rolling out a series of music videos that stretched the range of Serenading Unicorn to go along with the launch of Juicy Fruit's newest flavor, Juicy Secret. Come on. Each video starred a guest performer. First to launch in an epic performance of Devo's Whippet featured YouTube sensation Keenan Cahill, who is unfortunately passed. Next week, fans saw the gangster side of Serenading Unicorn. Oh, no. <laughs> I know what that means. As David, as David Kirkner, Paul in the office, and Avian Crockett, a physical and impression comedian who's worked small bits on numerous comedy sketch shows, Worked to turn Serenading Unicorn into something he wasn't with Coolio's Gangsta's Paradise. Okay, I'm sorry. What era is this? Is this after the this Five Gun Gum Ball Bearing era? Yeah, this is this is in 2015. Okay, this in 2015, is... I have zero memory of this. Right? I. I don't Our know. <laughs> final music video took an emotional turn as comedian Sarah Silverman and Serenading Unicorn turned up the heat in a video set to Aerosmith's You Are My Angel. All three videos drove to Facebook where fans could sweeten a friend's day with the Wallpost Serenade app. Guys, I need you all to go to Facebook and download the Wallpost Serenade app as well, fast as possible. We need to stop oh, making yeah. apps for their promos. We are no one uses these. <laughs> That's like one of the biggest lessons of like the recent companies we've covered. These 15 original songs tapped into our audience's sharing behavior, giving them a way to celebrate a wide variety of occasions on their friends' feed. What a bug person way to describe something like sharing right? behavior. Jeez. <laughs> We, we shall trigger their sharing behavior. Be more. We call these people humans. 
Hello, my fellow human. Can you engage in sharing behavior with your wife? Would you like to <laughs> celebrate a variety of occasions on your friend's feed? Yes, I would. <laughs> Put the gun down. Please give me food. <laughs> <laughs> Occasions included everything from birthday wishes to urgent Facebook requests or even new relationship statuses. In just a few months, the mythical creature was seen nearly four million times and, well, this is a typo here, and won the hearts of over 200,000 Facebook friends. To thank the fans one last time, fans that purchased a juicy fruit with a special snap icon linked to a very special thank you serenade with three original music videos, 15 unique serenades, and one SnapTag serenade, we managed to engage fans in a new way. We made Serenading Unicorn's second year as successful as his first, as the official spokescreature of Juicy Fruit. The end. That's how I talk, too. <laughs> yeah, entirely normal way of communicating. Very typical, yeah. So, so, so all that's happening. How's Stride doing? In 2011, Stride released a campaign called Stride Fuels Nonsense, in which they hired students from a local university to make commercials for them. There is exactly one good one. A large, regal-looking man sits at a table, adorned with a pressed shirt and a thick leopard coat. He cradles a golden statue in one hand. In the other, he holds a golden chalice full of unwrapped Stride gum. Quote, At two packs a day. I was hitting rock bottom. But look at me now. He takes an intentional awkward bite from the gum chalice. <laughs> That's a positive ad. <laughs> it's, genu it's genuinely kind of funny. Okay. I, I, it's, it's a good concept. The rest are unremarkable. Absolutely a relic of 2011 L LMAO XD random humor. And then, and then, they had a series of ad runs made by the robot chicken guys. Not... Today's Robot Chicken Guys. This is the 2011 Robot Chicken Guys. These ads are god-awful. They literally look like the sort of thing a teenager would make in their bedroom. They are incomprehensible and frankly embarrassing. I love it. So what happened to Five? Five got a new slogan. Quote, Life happens in Five. A young man sits at a party. A girl sits next to him. He chews a stick of five gum, gathers his courage, and kisses her. Life happens in five. Okay. A young woman. Uh, what year was this? Wait, what year? What year was this? This is this is uh, 2011. 20. Oh, okay, I guess it. I guess that makes sense. But Jesus Christ! No one remembers these commercials. Like I, I have tried to tell people about these. No one knows these exist. Yeah, but like assaulting someone with like a gummy mouth is very. <laughs> I don't, it's not something that would fly today, you know? This is, this is, I shit you not, what I would consider the second least effective uh, ad campaign in this episode. A young woman in a ballerina costume stands ready for her stage debut. She is nervous. She has some five gum. She exits to the stage. Life happens in five. A young man sneaks out of the house. Another man gets a tattoo. Life happens in five. So boring. These suck. Gone are the days of the extraordinary, over-the-top, sensory advertisements. No. The new five is grounded. It's about taking risks, being young, and being brave. Yeah, what? Why is, did, wait, okay. I know we were talking about running things into the ground earlier, but 
they abandoned what was working totally. And, right. and <laughs> Shocking, like, huh? Here's an encyclopedia oh. of things. And also we sell gum. <laughs> like, what is, the, is, what is the point? It is difficult to really capture what a hard right this was for the marketing. It is easily one of the most radical rebrands I've ever seen. In my entire entire time doing this this podcast i have never seen a more radical rebrand than this attempt and what's more is they're not good advertisements the colors are muted and forgettable the sound is muddy in many ads it's actually quite difficult to spot the product itself and what's more the packaging on the gum is still the like sleek over the top black and green (laughs) silver carton packaging the commercials are shooting for this kind of love actually type vibe but the product is still looks like something out of matrix reloaded yeah nothing like a boring slice yeah, of life it, it, like, even the product isn't moving with it like yeah come on it's bizarre in terms of brand image this ad campaign is a choice that i can only really describe as baffling what's even <laughs> stranger is that their competitors effectively pulled out of tv advertising altogether if I had to speculate, I think Wrigley's gambled on a similarly competitive market, but ended up spending a lot of money on a brand that did not need it. In my opinion, I think Wrigley was betting that all of their competitors would all be going super hard on TV advertising, and they just didn't. They, were, they all switched to the internet, or stuck to marketing to kids, and it, it just didn't work. But this wasn't the last ad campaign that Five Gum did. The year is 2018. Five Gum has a new ad campaign. The blue link on my spreadsheet said, a risk not taken. I click, assuming this to be a continuation of Five's previous campaign, Life Happens in Five. Black screen, white sleek font. It's not the thing we do that we regret. It's the things that we didn't do. Cut to an elderly woman watering her garden. We hear her voice and a light piano track. Her name is Emily Smith, age 71. Her late husband, was very much a daredevil. This is already see, too much setup. <laughs> we see this is already way too much setup for a gummy. <laughs> we see grainy handicam footage of her husband skydiving. Her husband once arranged to take Emily skydiving. She tenuously agreed. However, once she was up in the air, she started shaking and sweating and couldn't go through with it. If I could do it all over again, I would have jumped. Regrets are universal but make them a catalyst for change. Black screen. Life happens in five. <laughs> An image of a stick of five gum. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's like so weirdly depressing. It's the next a... link. The one that got away. A portly and graying man speaks breathy Castilian Spanish. His name is Guillermo, and his words are subtitled along, along the bottom of the screen. He was about to fly to a wedding with the love of his life. They had plane tickets, but a day before he was scheduled to leave, he was offered the starring role in one of the most important film projects in Spanish history. Days across the ocean turned into weeks, months, years, and his love got tired of waiting. Guillermo was a film star, but he lost the love of his life. Life happens in five, an image of five gum. Wow. Buy gum. So motivating. Martin. A balding and professorly man speaks in a creaking English accent. He was a photographer for most of his life, and a closeted gay man. At the age of 86, he laments that he was not able to live his life out of the closet. He pleads for the younger generation to have the courage that he did not. Life happens in five. Chew gum, I guess. I don't know. Buy gum. Lynn, an elderly woman in a gorgeous robe, speaks subtitled Pekingese. 
She recalls her youth in the Beijing opera, how she and her sisters began singing for the opera at the age of nine. She led a life of incredible artistic talent, but laments that she never had the opportunity to travel or see the world. Life happens in five. Stanford, a stocky elderly black man with a southern accent and a beard more white than gray, laments a God-given talent for swimming that he was not allowed to pursue. For those that don't know, swimming in America is generally seen as a white, upper-crust sport that black athletes have been barred from. This is made explicit in the commercial. Stanford regrets not working harder to be the first black member of his high school swim team, which would have been a historic achievement. He urges the viewer to stay true to their heart. Life happens in five. Hate racism? <laughs> Chew gum, you dumb bitch. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the new tagline for this podcast. The this will solve racism! It will solve racism, buy our gum, please! So, do these commercials feature five what gum is cynical in, boy. in the narrative? Or is no, it the not <laughs> even slightly! Not they, they don't show five gum, it just says life happens in five, and then you see like a two-second image of a picture of a package of five gum. That's it. And by the way, gum... <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> so, to be frank, I did not really know how to react to these commercials. The sheer emotional whiplash between these ostensibly sincere stories yeah. and the fact that I was watching a gum commercial was deeply confusing and almost self-parodical. Last thing I want to associate with gum is confrontations with the mortal coil or lament at what I have not done. <laughs> Part of me considers that for an advertisement to be effective, all you have to remember is the name of the product. The fact that I will forever remember this bizarre campaign and associate it with Five Gum, is that a victory for Wrigley? I'm not really sure. I mean, if it, if it, it engenders disgust, it sure does. <laughs> I don't think this is like a... Uh, it sounds like this didn't have like a Pepsi ad moment. You know the Pepsi ad where yeah 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 we all we everyone knows what that is. But for those who don't like, it's, it's showing this la like lady giving a Pepsi cup to some uh, can to some police officer and singing Kumbaya like Pepsi will sol solve all the world's problems. Um, if it backfires hard enough, then it is hurting them. Uh, but it's a good question. Like, is it effective anyway? I mean, I never heard of this ad personally. But then I realized something terrible, Armand. There were more links left. Oh, God. It's Stanford again. Later that same year, dozens of people have sent in hand-recorded video clips. A German woman on a motorbike says that motorbikes aren't for girls, and motorbikes away. A young black man was inspired to pursue a career as a stage pianist. A young hijabi woman proudly proclaims that she is the only Muslim woman on her fencing team. Several young people wave hello to Lynn from exotic locations, saying that they were inspired to see the world because of her role in this gum commercial. Several young people skydive with face camps as Lynn watches from her cozy home interior. She visibly tears up. Several young gay couples send in wedding photos or kiss in romantic locations. Martin watches from his couch and appears caught in the throes of several emotions at once. Every single ad that I just described to you had a follow-up with the same old person about their mortal regrets. That's, it's way too high concept. There's way too many moving parts. It's bizarre, and, and it doesn't really make me want to buy gum. It really doesn't. <laughs> what does it, any of this have to do with it gum? It is bizarrely emotionally intense. Yeah. 
I don't know. Does that cheapen like these stories though? Like that's what I'm wondering is like, these are like real stories. It, it feels, yeah, I feel bad because the stories are real. And then they have this, this sucking vampire of this five gum ending at the end of every like <laughs> yeah. scene that can, they're in. I can only really describe it as like kind of hollow in a sinister way. <laughs> right. It's like, it's like, this is kind of cool. And then you open up, like you take off the mask and there's just nothing there. It's yeah. like, Oh, Right. It's a gum commercial. Yeah. <laughs> right. We're trying to sell flavored sugar sticks. At this point in time, their main competitor was still Stride, whose contemporary marketing campaign was a series of psychedelic composite animations. A lemon with plane wings returns to its nest on a tropical island. A raspberry with baby arms slams its little fists into the ground, demanding that the lemon do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> the lemon vomits a stream of technicolor light and fluid into the raspberry's open top, who then snowballs the fluid into a, stra into a pack of Stride gum. End card. A garish purple mouth begins laughing until it is choked by some words. Mad intense gum. Stride is clearly aiming for children with these ads, while Five seems to be changing tact to appeal to older teens and young adults. At this time, Stride also released a phone game called Gumulon, a form of doodle jump controlled by chewing. I'm fairly certain the voiceover was done by one of the voice actors from Futurama. I have to. I would. I would give Gumbilan a, a try just on the name alone. Even now, writing this episode, my thoughts have difficulty cohering. There is something bizarrely ineffective, even sinister, about these advertisements. I don't feel any desire to purchase or consume Five Gum. I feel, frankly, manipulated. After this, Five Gum started marketing to gamers. Of course, it was always heading to this <laughs> respawn. By Five Gum comes in three flavors, optimized to, quote, improve gaming performance, whatever the fuck that means. Who cares? So this is where we'll leave Five Gum, a shell of its former self, languishing in marketing hell. The end. Yay! Yay. That was insane. Anytime you're not a gaming company and you're finding yourself aggressively marketing to gamers, <laughs> something has gone very wrong. Yeah, it, that is that is the borrowing from yourself to... It's like borrowing from one payday loan corporation to pay another yeah. payday loan but, corporation. But by the time like you've... If you're someone who's never... You're a company who's never engaged with video gamers, and then suddenly it's like your life and your existence is catering to them, it's because you think they're an easy to t to exploit market that you can just throw things at, mm -hmm. you know. Exactly, and it's not going to end. It's a it's a metric for for pending disaster. So that was our episode. I think we're running out of time here. I think it's about time that we hit our new outro, our fancy new outro. Yeah, we, we wrote it. Thanks outro. for telling us the story, CT. Aren't you excited, dear listeners? We're gonna we're gonna test uh. our fancy new outro on you. It'll probably be a little awkward at first. <clears throat> Desperate Acts of Capitalism is C.T. Kelly, Armand Maharaj, and Evan Swope, edited by Noah. If you like the episode of DAOC, please share it with a friend and consider writing us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you want to support our work and access special bonus content, check out our Patreon in the link in the episode description. And remember, God is real and big things are coming. Yay! Yay. Goodbye, come back soon. Goodbye, 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 goodbye. goodbye.